Welcome back to another fundmonitors.com Manager Insights. Uh, my name's Damon Purcell, and today I'm talking with Andrew West, the Managing Director at Longlead Capital Partners. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Damon. Great to be here. Andrew, I was reading through some of your recent reports uh, on, the, on your funds, and there's been a strong focus on electric vehicles. Can you talk a little bit to me about the sector uh, as a whole and what, what your team sees as some of, the op- some of the opportunities within that sector? Yeah, Damon, it's a really interesting sector right now. It has been for a little while, but it continues to surprise, and that's what keeps us really uh, interested in hunting around. Uh, as a, an example of the strength of demand we're seeing, this year at the beginning, global expectations for electric vehicle sales were really somewhere around 4.4 million units. Now, based on the trends that have happened in the first half, the reporting from the, the electric vehicle manufacturers, et cetera, but they've had to revise up those estimates now to nearly, uh, nearly 6 million units. So you can see that it has this aspect uh, amongst new technologies where it continuously, in terms of demand strength, surprises to the upside, resulting in analysts uh, uh, around the world having to increase their expectations for the companies involved in the sector. And that that provides uh, a lot of opportunities. Is there any particular... um parts of that sector that are that are driving forward faster than others i know you know the the industry sorry the market was in love with um with uh, with sensors a few years ago um is that still the case these days with electric vehicles yeah our way of looking at it is really to look all the way across the supply chain and and long leads a pan-asian strategy uh, a lot of the most important companies in the electric vehicle supply chain exist within Asian markets. So it allows us to get quite a detailed read on what's happening and who's winning and and who's losing within the sectors. And and, and that makes an interesting hunting ground for us. Now, the way we look at it and based on feedback from the companies, there's two particular areas of the industry that we find uh, offer the best opportunities right now. It's, It's a barbell approach. From that, what I mean is, For us, we're very interested in the upstream battery materials. And unsurprisingly, lithium presents itself as one of the most interesting uh, there. And I'll talk to that in a second. And secondly, at the complete other end of the spectrum, the consumer product end of the spectrum. This is amongst the automotive brand, the OEMs, who within that whole ecosystem of car manufacturers, there are certain ones who are doing better than others in exploiting the opportunity of getting strong product to market with technological differentiation. So on the the first side, on the the lithium side, it's really interesting. We talked to about the strength of demand growth uh, from electric vehicles. And what that is doing is continuously keeping tight the market for lithium. That is demand is uh, always just exceeding supply right now. It's a very tight market. We wouldn't say exceptionally undersupplied, but you can see the result of that uh, demand strength in the path of lithium prices this year. They've gone up uh, quite highly in many respects for some compounds, 100% this year. And when we look forward to the forecasts of EV demand growth and the forecasts of supply growth in lithium, that tightness remains. And indeed, 
the miners, the extractors of lithium are maintaining quite a bit of discipline in bringing new uh, uh, product and, and new opportunities to market. So that's providing opportunities in companies like we like Independence Group in Australia um, because they're seeing volume growth, uh, substantial price growth leading to strong cash flows. Something like Independence Group is particularly interesting, again, because they've only really just completed upon the acquisition of one of the highest quality lithium mines in the country, and the Greenbush's contributions only just starting to come uh, out in their results right now. On the Asia side of lithium, we really like Ganfeng Lithium, and we like it because it's one of the top two in the world in the supply of, of lithium compounds to satisfy that demand growth from the auto OEMs. It has continuous production volume growth, benefits from the pricing upside we talked about with lithium pricing increases. And it's a very diversified supplier. It got low cost, high quality assets many years ago, two, three plus years ago, and positioned itself well to be vertically integrated right back to the mine supply. It has assets across um, spodumene, hard rock mines, brine, and in future clay. And that means it'll always be able to maintain a very good position on the cost curve. So that's on the lithium side. On the automotive OEM side, there's some really interesting dynamics. Firstly, because the EV trend is allowing companies in auto once again to differentiate themselves from each other with some companies specifically providing some really good product to market. And there's some surprising names in that. On, on the one hand, you have the traditional OEMs, and we like Hyundai and Kia, it's a subsidiary company in Korea. These are companies that, while you know them for their traditional internal combustion engine vehicles, they have been early to develop good product on the EV side and are achieving higher market share in their sales of EV products, particularly in Europe, et cetera, um, than in their ICE vehicles. So what that means for them is as this transition occurs, being somewhat ahead of other competitors in the market, it represents a larger opportunity over the, the next decade. And with those two specific examples in mind, they're cheap. They're cheaper on a PE basis than they have been in many parts of history. They have strong product upgrade cycles, which driving quite surprising um, sales growth, volume growth, and, and earnings growth. And with the case of something like Hyundai, we expect a record OP for the fourth quarter as the supply shortages are coming out now, are reducing and, and, and allowing the companies to really push forward with their sales. The last one is just the challenges, the challenger brands. And one we always call out is in China, Li Auto, which has a very different approach to producing product for the electric vehicle demand. They're an SUV-only specialist for the Chinese market and have really grown rapidly. In only six years now, cumulatively sold more than 100,000 vehicles in October alone, taking in 14,000, over 14,000 orders and produced 10,000 vehicles they've just called out. And the reason update, if you compare that back in time to the production growth at Tesla, they're really achieving these milestones quicker, only 700 days odd 
from production of this first vehicle to 100,000 vehicles cumulatively. And that's a one product right now. They've got more products in the chain, more products in the lineup that come out in 2022 and thereafter. So can, can really um, continue to benefit from uh, the, what we've talked about in the electric vehicle demand tree. So looking at growth, actually, um, one of the things I was reading in your mid-year Pan-Asian review, which is uh, um, available on the fundmonitors.com site, is about how the team uses purchasing manager indexes in its process as indicators of growth expectations of the markets. Um, can you talk us through what they are? I think a lot of people will be quite interested in what they can tell you about companies that, oh, sorry, about the markets that you're investing in. Purchasing manager indices, they're, they're essentially a forward-looking indicator on the strength of conditions affecting particularly the manufacturing industry. There's also services versions of them out there. What, what it's been shown through you know, multiple decades in the countries that provide this data is that it does tend to provide quite at, at least a coincident, if not leading indicator of the way uh, operating conditions are shaping and becomes particularly interesting at times when you have inflection points. That is markets moving from a growth phase to a slowdown phase or vice versa. Now, what they're showing us is that right now, if we look at all around the world, purchasing manager indices are starting to fall from elevated levels. Now, they're still in growth mode, meaning manufacturing demand uh, is, is growing globally, and you're seeing that in, G, in strong GDP growth this year, but at a slowing rate. And what that points to is the fact that particularly when we talk about consumer durable products uh, and the effect of COVID upon demand for those areas, it really spiked during COVID because our consumption of services was hampered by the restrictions put in place. So in many cases, many companies saw really gold rush conditions in demand and manufacturing spike to satisfy that. Now we're starting to see the slowdown phase on the other side of that as economies progressively reopen because you and I, our spend transitions from buying the latest notebook PC or, or piece of furniture for your home to consuming services once again, to traveling, restaurants, et cetera, that we really haven't been able to do for such a, a period of time. Mm -hmm. So that's being reflected in the purchasing manager indices. Being surveys, they allow companies to give their viewpoint on the new order trends, forward-looking measures of the way they see their demand shaping. And in, in countries like China, who acted early, given the strength of their rebound last year, to cool conditions with monetary policy. We've actually seen those come all the way back to really the 50 level, the, the balance between expansion and contraction. Uh, in other cases, in US, Europe, et cetera, they're still elevated. They're still very much in the expansionary phase, but clearly on a downward trend. And so what that says to us and the feedback from companies reinforces that as we look to 2022, we can expect more slowdown. Now, that provides a different picture for what can work in equity markets in our viewpoint. And this is how we use it in our process to really look and confirm um, what we're hearing from companies and allow us to choose between opportunities that come from our process. And as uh, markets slow, particularly when we've got a, a scenario like we have today where everyone's reading about the cost challenges facing businesses, shortages, supply chain challenges 
uh, and inflation as costs will remain and cost growth will remain high, but demand growth slows, you really need to be understanding that companies with pricing power are those in this phase that can continue to outperform and produce strong earnings growth. Whereas companies in industries that don't have that, where there's too much competition, you'll rapidly see earnings downgrades start to appear. Uh, and we can speak to a number of companies that in recent conferences are starting to report on those dynamics coming through in, in, in their outlooks. So we're at it, one of these transition phases. The key question is, Will 2022 actually lead us into a downturn phase? And that depends on the path of monetary policy. Only last night we had the Fed report. We really need to see when interest rates get increased because that will move um, those purchasing managing, manager interests further in a downward fashion. And potentially we could see late in 2022 a very different, even a downturn scenario starting to appear should monetary policy tighten. Well, that's an interesting segue into my next question, which was um, you coined the term a COVID over-earner, um, citing a short position you heard it held in a fitness manufacturer, which is close to my heart because there's some fitness equipment bought uh, last year that's now getting dusty in the, in the separate room of my house. What are some of the other sectors you think might fall into this category of the COVID over-earners? Yeah, and it's a really interesting uh, uh, dynamic because very rarely in history do we have such a concentrated period whereby parts of the economy diverge from long-term trends to such a great extent. And I called out how durable products, particularly consumer durables during COVID, really went um, up quite substantially, way north of, of the long-term demand trend. And we're seeing those normalise now. The stats on consumer durable consumption is falling once again, which points to people as economies reopen, take their money from what they've been spending on to diverting to the experiences they would have liked to have enjoyed over the last 12 months and perhaps now once again. Um, so that's where you start to see these COVID over -earns. It's in that consumer durable space. We call out things like, uh, PCs, notebooks, um, uh, technology equipment, um, some areas of healthcare equipment, fitness equipment being one of those. You know, many people were unable to go to the gym and, um, and took the opportunity to install fitness equipment in their home. These, these pieces of equipment last for long periods of time. You don't need to replace them very often. So you, you can start to see why sales and earnings might then retrace or normalise from these companies. Other areas in, include even supermarkets. You know, we've seen the slowing demand trends from, from uh, uh, sales trends from even the Australian supermarket companies, and there's many through Asia experiencing much the same thing as economies reopen. Um, E-commerce is one where we've had some really successful shorts. We've mentioned in our newsletters, Kogan, Redbubble, where, and you can see how much the share price has fallen. These are companies that classically had gold rush demand conditions during COVID, but very rapidly have been unable to cycle those numbers. In many cases, sales have fallen in absolute terms and will take some time to really get back to, to, um, to growth again. And those share prices were probably too high capitalising some of those conditions into the future. So that's what we term a COVID over-earner. We're still seeing uh, demand normalisation, earnings falling amongst many of those areas. 
particularly now amongst uh, components within the PC notebook supply chain, um, uh, PCBs, uh, et cetera, that are all parts of those finished products. And, and that's certainly coming out in recent updates from companies. Andrew, um, as always, thank you for your insight. Um, it's been fantastic talking to you um, via my webcam, which uh, is another one of those over-earners, my guess is. Uh, as always, thanks for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of 2021 and have a great uh, Christmas if we don't speak between then, now and then. Thanks, Damon. Thanks for your time.